Welcome back to another episode of the Photographer Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Macy, and today we're on episode number 20. Pretty cool milestone, uh, but today is not really going to be the Photographer Mindset Podcast. It's going to be the Entrepreneurial Mindset Podcast because I'm joined by Morgan Tui today, who is the founder of Near Zero Labs, which is a really cool company. It's in the startup phase right now. They just smashed their Kickstarter goal. Um, of $10,000 near zero labs. They make lightweight um, camera bags weighing less than two pounds, ultra weight, customizable. Uh, Really excited to hear today what you have to say, Morgan. Um, And maybe we can dive into that, uh, that headspace of, of the entrepreneur because, you know, we're all um, trying to do side hustles and we're trying to do things like that. So it'll be cool to hear from you from someone who's actually taken that action and, and, you know, is going somewhere with it. So thanks for joining me. Um, you've heard some episodes, just tell us a bit about, um, yourself as a photographer and how that may be transferred into you, um, creating near zero labs. Yeah, for sure. So I have always like really liked running and a lot of trail running and a lot of hiking for like pretty much the last probably 10 years of my life. And then, uh, my senior year of high school, which would have been in 2016, I told my parents, I was like, I'm going to buy a camera. And they're like, why are you going to buy a camera? That's, you know, you're going to use it for a week or two, and then you're never going to pick it up again. Um, which I don't blame because that's what I did with a lot of my hobbies at the time. But so I picked up a camera and I fell in love with it. Um, nice. And so I've been, you know, that summer I visited Rocky Mountain National Park in Colorado, which is where I ended up going to college. And then over the next four years, I got really into backpacking and hiking and everything. And then I guess with near zero, it was like last summer, I was doing a ton of hiking. I spent the entire summer living out of my car and I had been using a backpack that was like four and a half or five pounds. And I was like, God, my camera weighs three pounds. Why does my camera bag weigh more than my camera does? Yeah, for real, man. I started using my backpacking bag that was like an ultralight bag, like handmade in Maine, but it weighed two pounds and had twice the volume of what my camera bag was. So we're getting closer to zero. Yes. Getting closer to zero. And so I I was like, all right, well, if someone can make a bag this big that weighs less, there's something wrong here. And so that's, that was when I first started talking to people and I started talking to other photographers and I was like, yo, do you like, like, do you also share this problem? Like, I think my camera bags are way too heavy. And everybody I talked to that summer was like, yes, they're too heavy. Yeah. I would agree with you too. Like I'm sore after a solid hike. Yeah. And it's crazy. Like people are like, yeah, like your bags are three pounds lighter than the next camera bag. But, um, but how big of a difference does that make? And it, it makes a huge difference taking an entire camera and lens off your back. Like when you're yeah. hiking eight to 12 miles, like that's a lot. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, people have distance to cover, especially if you're going for those shots that nobody else gets, right? Yeah. You're going on those long treks. So for people who are unfamiliar uh, with Morgan, um, he started a company called Near Zero Labs, which um, is actually it's still in the Kickstarter phase, right? Nothing's actually been launched yet. Correct. Is that correct? Yep. Um, but what you probably just gathered from that was that they um, are making near zero in weight uh, lightweight bags for camera, uh, for, for photographers and for hikers. Um, and it's really, really cool. And I want you to tell the story about how this came to be, because you said you were going to save it for me. So I'm interested to hear how, um, you decided to start near zero labs. Yeah. So we, uh, so basically at the beginning of last summer, like I said, like I started talking to people and I talked to, you know, a friend in May and I was like, dude, I've been using my backpacking bag. Like, do you agree? And he had a, uh, a backpack from the adventure camera bag maker. I'm not going to name drop, but the number one brand everyone thinks of. Not wanting to burn bridges, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he goes, yeah, they, this bag weighs six and a half pounds. I was like, oh my God, like you're, you're carrying a bag that weighs six and a half pounds and it's empty. Like, dude, you're, there's something wrong here. Yeah. So then later that summer, I talked to another friend, um, was out in California with me. And I said to him, I was like, dude, do you have this problem too? And he goes, yes, I do. And then basically that fall, I, uh, I had a marketing capstone for my marketing degree at Colorado state university. And at, at there, they basically, we had to come up with a business idea and pitch a business plan to our professor. So I brought this idea up to the team and that's what we chose. 
And then our professor was like, you need a prototype at the end of the semester or else there's no way you get an A. Like you could end up with a B, but there was no way I was going to like give up an A in my capstone class for like university that I've worked so hard at for four years. Right. So I went on Amazon and bought a used $80 sewing machine and built the first (laughs) prototype. (laughs) And you did not know how to sew, correct? I knew nothing. I literally was on FaceTime with my mother every night for like probably two weeks straight going like the sewing machine jammed. How do I fix that? (laughs) Dude, that's an absolute grind. And that's, you know, that's a perfect segue into um, something I said we were going to talk about is, is adapting, um, you know, what the characteristics are of an entrepreneurial person, um, sort of what traits are needed. And right there, it's just like going the extra mile and, you know, staying up late, learning how to sew so that you can make a product that solves uh, you know, a problem that lots of people are facing. I think those are the best ideas. Ones that are solutions to issues are always the best things, um, are the best startups and, and become the best products and become the best services. Um, so, I mean, w- what are some of the characteristics in your opinion and traits that, that people need to be entrepreneurial? I mean, like, obviously you have to be self-reliant. You can't be, you can't be risk averse because, you know, you're, you're, you know, you could essentially put thousands of hours into something and it just doesn't pan out where you could have been doing something else. Right. Um, and you have to have a crazy, crazy work ethic. Um, is there anything you think I'm missing or, and and can, you know, that entrepreneurial mindset or spirit be learned, or is it just something you think people have, or maybe it lays dormant? It's, it's definitely something that can be learned. Like, and you hit a lot of those traits on the head and it's like, I think that a lot of people are like, Oh, I'm too lazy. Like a lot of people listening to this podcast would be like, I wouldn't learn how to sew like, but it doesn't have to be sewing for you. Like it was sewing for me. I decided that I needed a lighter backpack, but you know, it's one of those things where you it's, I think the biggest thing is being able to be passionate. And I think that there are very few people that have an inability to be passionate about something. Yeah, I would agree. Finding that thing. And so for me, like I was passionate about trying to literally hike as far as I can and go do 20 or 30 mile hikes in a day, try it with my camera gear. Yeah. And like, it's figuring it, I think it, I think it comes down to being passionate and being able to identify problems that you have and that other people have. And that's yeah. what it comes down to. I think that's really important. What you said, like somebody listening who might think, Oh, I wouldn't, you know, stay up super late learning how to sew. That doesn't make you lazy, but it's just not maybe your thing. Like your thing is something else. You know what I mean? And that touches on another point that I had written down is you have to have an emotionally compelling reason to do something like, you know, you had you can't just pick anything because you think it's going to make you money or because you think it's a good idea. The bottom line is, like, if you're not into it, you're just not going to fucking do it. Right. Yeah. So, like, you're so into, like, hiking and shooting and you take amazing landscapes for anybody who I just got to segue, like, stop or digress because you take some of the most awesome landscapes ever. So it's no wonder that. Um, you're so into what you're doing. Um, but yeah, I think, I think you really nailed that saying, like, you have to be into it. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. It's like, if it, it's got to fuel that fire and like, and if it doesn't do that, then it's not going to work. And there are a lot of people that like probably have said that like, you know, Hey, my camera bag's too light. But if, if making camera bags wasn't going to make them feel good. Like I remember the first time that I flipped that like original prototype inside out, everything gets sewn inside out and then you flip it in, like you flip it right way out. That's the first time you get to see the completed product. And like when I, when I first did that back in November was when the first bag was made that like, that was like, Oh my God, this is so cool. And like that, that's that feeling that you've got to find. And like, I found that like, I wouldn't say sewing is my favorite thing to do, but that feeling of flipping bags inside out, even like for those who don't know, our, our bags are like customized with like a photo on it. So we've done bags with like photos of Patagonia and we've done bags with photos of like foggy trees or bighorn yep. sheep. And like, like no matter what the photo is, it's so cool every single time because they're all so different. Like that feeling is really cool. Yeah. And I mean, sewing might not be fun, but the end result that it, that, that action helps achieve is what, you know, the end result is what you're striving for. And then when you get that feeling, I think, you know, you're doing, you're doing something emotionally compelling. Right. Um, 
So let's let's hypothetically say I want to get into the bags in a minute, but I think we're on a really good topic here. Yeah. Let's say you you're someone listening and you found that thing that you know you really really want to do, and you know it's going to make you happy and give you that same level that you that level of um, pride and enjoyment that you're talking about. Where do where do people start? I mean, we were talking before. I have entrepreneurial experience as well, so like I'm really able to relate and I'm vibing with you big time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know how much work it is and like how, you know, how little sleep you get at times. Um, but I think, and I've mentioned, this has been a theme on a lot of previous podcasts is when someone's staring at a giant goal or something they want to achieve, they get overwhelmed and then they just don't do it. Yeah. Or like they find an excuse or, or something like that. It's just too hard. So, I mean, to quit my rambling, where do you start? Like, where did you start? Um, how did you go from idea to crushing your Kickstarter goal, by the way? <laughs> yeah, I think that it, I think it really starts with like making a plan and like everybody's always said, like, I'm not a planner, but this is something I made a plan for. Cause it was such a huge goal. Like how do I go from like making one single backpack that cost me like probably 250 bucks to make the bag because I messed up so many times. Like I didn't know where it started there and how it ended with actually sending people backpacks so that they can go hike with them. So I think that a lot of it comes down to making a plan. And like, for me, that plan was, okay, the first thing I'm going to do is go talk to people. And that's what I did. And I think that's huge. Like a lot of people can say, Oh, I'm passionate about this. I'm passionate about that. And like, unfortunately with entrepreneurship or whatever, like, there's got to be someone who wants it unless it's going to be a hobby. But if you want to turn whatever your hobby is into a, like into a job, someone's going to want to pay, like someone has to pay you for it. Exactly. So that's not always easy. Like we've talked about like Brooke before, um, who's like an incredible wildlife photographer, but like it took her a while before she figured out exactly how to pay the bills with wildlife photography. Like, Mm -hmm. and so I think that's the same thing where you have to figure out, how you're going to make money from it. So for me, it was like, okay, talk to photographers, figure out how much they'll pay for a bag that has the features we have. And then after that, it's like, okay, make that step-by-step plan. First, I've got to talk to photographers. Then I've got to make X amount of prototypes or whatever it is, like figure out what it is and get feedback and keep getting feedback until you're super confident in the product that you're making. Right. Um, Are you one to prioritize? Define prioritize. Like you have all these things you think you need to do. Uh, how do you go about deciding what's most important or what, in what sequence things go? Like, do you also write things down or do you keep it all in your head? It was all written down at the beginning of the project. And then eventually everything moved into my head as stuff started getting crazy busy. Cause I didn't really, and that's something that I still don't know if it was the right way to do it, but that's how right. it ended up happening. Um, but yeah, like there are a ton of things that like, I couldn't necessarily get done for the Kickstarter. Um, but I still made sure that I had all the most important things done. And I moved back the launch date, like a million times, like uh, the original date that I'd given some of my like professors and stuff that were giving me advice was like back in May or June or something. And then after that, I was telling the, when I first reached out to the ambassadors, I was telling them, August, mid August. And we ended up launching September 1st, but it's like, you need to make sure that you have time to make the changes that you actually need to make. Um, right. But don't, but good. Like, I'm sure you've heard this saying, like, like perfect is the enemy of good enough where like, right. or whatever the saying is where like, you can't try and get everything 100% or else you're never going to finish. <laughs> yeah, no, I a hundred percent know what you're saying. Um, before we go any further, why don't you just, if, if people are still confused as to what we're talking about, there's no way at this point, cause we've, we've been talking about bags for the last 15 minutes. Just tell them what, uh, you know, what products you're offering and, and the features, maybe but talk a bit about the Whitney, um, yeah. and how you've gotten ambassadors involved and, um, you know, just some features of the bag and maybe where they can go and find it when it's ready. Yeah, for sure. So basically in a nutshell, we make, uh, gear for photographers that helps photographers travel further and take more photos. That's, that's our mission is to help people take more photos. And that's really, if we can fuel that, like fuel that in people, I think that we're doing what we set out to do. So essentially our first camera bag, Whitney launched two weeks ago on Kickstarter. 
um, and we hit our goal in three days. And basically, Whitney is a backpack made out of fabrics that aren't being used by any of the other major camera bag manufacturers. They're being used by some of the smaller manufacturers and like ultralight backpacking, but no camera bag manufacturers. So that allowed us to get the bag. So the actual backpack weighs um, one pound and 11 ounces. Um, So about 1.7 pounds. And then we've got a couple different inserts that are also really lightweight. So basically if you want our camera bag with the, uh, with the inserts to fit camera and a couple lenses, the total weight of that bag is about two pounds, three ounces, just over two pounds. And so nice. that, like my goal, I needed a camera bag that was lighter than the camera inside of it. And we hit that goal. And so that's, that's our only product right now. You can either buy the backpack itself, the backpack with the cubes or just the cubes, if you want to throw them in a different bag. Um, but yeah. And so that's, that's essentially what we do. And then you all have the ability, every bag during our Kickstarter is customized. So right whatever photo you want on it and it's basically the fabric we use is pretty similar to like a canvas print or something yeah and so it's like carrying around a canvas print of your favorite photo on the back of it which that's really cool that's a cool feeling so people can put their they people can order their own photos and they can also if maybe if they don't have any they can um get photos of some of the ambassadors that are involved with with near zero right yep yeah and so that's an option we've got eight really cool ambassadors, some like insanely talented wildlife photographers like Brooke, we talked about earlier. Yeah. Name some of them. Just people yeah. will definitely know who these people are because I was so impressed when I saw that these people were part of near zero labs. It was wicked cool, man. Yeah. So we've got, um, Brooke, little bear, Ryan Dyer, miles Morgan photography. Um, David gay is on our team. Um, Ben Strauss, Jess Santos or miss Jess Bess on Instagram, Kath Simmerd. Um, tr- oh, and then Ross Schramm von Haupt, who's a, uh, landscape and night photographer out of the Pacific Northwest. So it's like this crazy group of photographers. And one of the cool things is they, when I first reached out to a lot of them, um, they were like, dude, I don't really do like product placements or anything like that. Like I never have, I've always said I won't. And I was like, just let me send you a bag for free. If you decide you don't want it. I was going to ask what your pitch involved. Yeah, because we talked a few episodes about about uh, um, pitching. It was yeah. more focused at brands, but I mean, you're essentially doing the same thing here, right? Yeah, and that well, that's the thing is like they are brands. Like Ryan Dyer has a brand, and Brooke. Yeah, I love that. I love you said that. Yeah, and so like, and if this bag, like, if I make them lock in, if I'm like, if I give you a bag, you have to make X Y Z number of posts. Like that just feels super ingenuous, ingenuine. First of all, but like at the same time, like that ruins their brand if they take a bag and have to promote a bag they don't believe in. So for a lot of them, I was like, take a bag. I'm confident you'll love it. Like your shooting style matches the stuff that we do. And if you don't like it, keep it or send it back. I don't care. Um, If you want to send it back, that allows us to reuse it. But like, if you want to keep it, but it's just not something you want to promote. But yeah. And so basically I told them all, I was like, you will send you a bag Um, and then you'll have the ability to do these ambassador packs, which essentially is like kind of all of the ambassadors designed a few packs of their own with their own color choices and their own photos, um, that are kind of preset. So if you, you know, don't have any photography that you want on a bag or anything, that's an option. But yeah, that was essentially the pitch we gave was I'll send you a bag. No, I'm not going to charge you. If you like it, you keep it and help us out if you don't, whatever. But I, I never put any like constraints on it i didn't tell them exactly what to say i didn't say right. you have to make x number of posts i was like we need your help on the day we launch and talk about it a couple times during our campaign and they've done an awesome job and it's because i think every single one of our ambassadors truly loves the bag every single one of them has been like dude this is the bag i'm using like that's so cool the other bags <laughs> um what was your success rate then with with sending bags off to potential ambassadors at the time. If you don't mind me asking, I'm just curious after, after hearing you say this hundred percent, I knew that was the answer because, um, actually I took a risk there, but I, in my mind, I hundred percent knew that you were going to say hundred percent because there's something to be said for, um, being so confident in, in what you do and what you make, whether that's a photo you've posted 
and I think this is a theme as well as no one else is going to be confident or believe in your product or your image if you don't. Right. So when you just said like, have a bag, try it. You're going to love it. It's that, you know, it's not arrogant. It's just like, I know what I'm doing is good. Right. You know, I know I'm offering something that nobody else is and that you're going to love. And I think that's why you had, you know, no sendbacks. Yeah. And that's what it came down to was like, I told them ahead of time, like, if you want to strap skis to your pack and want to go like do ski touring, our bag probably isn't the pack for you. Like our bags are made to carry up to 25 pounds, pretty much they're frameless bags. But if you're carrying less than 25 pounds, it's going to be damn comfortable and it's going to be damn light. And like, that's, I told him that ahead of time. I was like, don't load the bag up with every single piece of gear you own, because if you're going out for a 20 mile hike, you aren't going to do that anyways. But if you're carrying, you know, one or two camera bodies and two or three lenses, this is the bag for you. If you're going to be hiking far and they all, they all came back and were like, the print looks great and the bag is great. And therefore I'm happy to be on board. Let me know what you want me to do. Really, really cool. Um, what kind of criteria did you go looking for? Um, obviously you probably had some existing relationships maybe with some of these people or like through the grapevine, mm-hmm. like somebody knew somebody. Um, but I, it's a common theme I see so often is that everybody wants to be an ambassador to something. Um, I guess, and you get a lot of people pitching brands when they, they're not at a stage to be doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked, I'm sure you, you know, you encountered some of that along the way, like people pitching you like, Hey, yeah. I should, I should be, um, an ambassador for near zero labs when they were really at, at no stage to do that. Uh, what are some things people shouldn't do when, when trying to sell themselves to a brand? I think that really what it comes down to is like, you have to, like, obviously we reached out to all of our ambassadors because we were this like no name company. No one knew that we were doing this except for the couple people that followed me. Um, but really when, so I'll, I'll answer the first part and the second part of your question. So sure. when we were looking for people that, um, to, that to basically be our brand ambassadors, I wanted people that, you know, did more than just go to the lookouts of like, every other glacier national park turnout or like whatever it was. And not that there's anything wrong with that type of photography, but like realistically those photographers aren't the ones that are going to be putting our bags to the test. I was just going to say, they're not the ones who are going to need it. Exactly. And so that's, that was the main type of criteria I made was I was like, the first thing I'm going to look at is I'm going to go down the list of photographers that I know of and I look up to, and I want the people that I actually think are going to benefit from the bag. Right, And then past that, I went and I was like, okay, who are the people that I think give off like a super genuine vibe? And like, that's, that was 100% for me. I didn't want somebody who had promoted a million products before or anything like that. And like, I understand right. ambassadors or influencers need to make a living somehow, but like, I wanted people that like, I only had so much time to make so many bags. Every bag that we've sent out so far has been handmade by me which is awesome. I couldn't send out 30 bags. Like I would have liked to, we sent out eight. And so, (laughs) so I had to be super selective. And so they were all people that I thought were genuine that I thought would really benefit from the bag. And then the last thing was I reached out to people. The the majority of the people that I reached out to were people that I knew um, or who followed me and like, like Ryan Dyer, um, had followed me and I had followed him, but we never actually had a conversation before, except for like, I had swiped up on one of his stories and replied to it. But other than that, yeah. we never talked. And so that's, you know, I sent him a message and I was like, Hey man, I'm, I'm doing this thing. Any chance you want to hop on board? And he was like, well, I'm going to have to try out a bag first. And if I like it, I'm happy. But you know, if not, then I can't, but yeah. So that's basically what we looked at was I was like, I want it to be people who are super genuine people who are, who would definitely benefit from the bag. And then people in my circle, the only, there were only a couple that weren't from my direct circle. It's people like Kath Simmer, Brooke, um, maybe a couple of other ones, but those are people that I reached out to via email. And, but they okay. still the first two cr- criteria. Like it wasn't just my group of friends. Like it was people I genuinely thought would look benefit from the bag. The easiest people right. to get in touch to were the people I could get into the DMS for. Oh, for sure. Um, so why don't you touch on part two? Um, yeah. There's a lot of people 
and I don't want listeners to do this. So why don't you maybe share some of your experiences? Yeah. So, um, like I said, like I reached out to everybody who ended up being ambassadors because we had, you know, I only had so much ability to do it. So after people found out about us, I couldn't really make any more bags, but I've gotten a couple requests since we launched for people, um, asking it to work with us or whatever. Um, and on top of the fact that right now is super busy and I don't really have the ability to make more bags. I've gotten a lot of requests from people that like, it's a business relationship between you, whoever's like going to be promoting the product and the company that, you know, you're trying to work with. Yeah, for sure. And it's got to make sense for both of you. Like, like I think that I, uh, during one of the podcasts that I listened to that you've done, like you were talking about how the companies that you want to be an ambassador for should be the brands that you're using their gear and stuff. 110%. Like don't try to go be an, a Tamron ambassador if you've never held a Tamron lens. <laughs> and Which so, is so, yeah, yeah. I, I feel you on that. Right. And so like, and not that anyone actually has the ability to have a near zero bag right now, you know, they'll be sending out in the next couple months, but I have, I've gotten a bunch of requests from people that, you know, it, I, I look through their page and they don't ever hike. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, well, if you're never going to hike, like then like what, what's the, there's no benefit. Like you don't get a kick-ass bag that like actually helps you. And our brand gets like our brand image gets confused because you have a lot right. of like, roadside photos. Like I said, there's nothing wrong with that, but that's just not what near zero is like about. And so right. and that also tells you right off the bat that that person isn't in it. It's not aligning with their core values. They're just asking you to ask you and just to be hooked up with somebody who they think is cool. Exactly. Or try to get like, or try to get, you know, a free bag or something. And so that's the other thing is like, when I say it's a business relationship, like there's an investment that we make when we send out a bag to an ambassador. And then there's also an investment that the ambassador makes when they, you know, take our bag and say, yes, I'll like, yes, I'll help promote your bag. And so there's risk on both sides. And so we have sold, you know, we're up to just over $10,000 or something. And this is for me sending out eight or nine bags and that'll go up over time. But like the other thing, and it's, I don't like saying it because it, it's very exclusionary. And I don't want to say that like, if you don't have a lot of followers, you can't work with brands, but if you don't have a lot of followers, you need to make up for it somewhere else. And so like, like we talked earlier, like Brooke, who is one of the smaller ambassadors on our team, um, she also has done some of the best promotion work for our brand because she Mm -hmm. is super genuine. She has all these other factors that really mattered to me where I was like, I want someone super genuine. So even though she, you know, is towards the bottom quote, quote, as far as like following goes, she's one of our most quote productive ambassadors. And so if you had like, you know, 10,000 followers or something or 5,000 followers, like it doesn't mean you can't work with brands but you better make sure that your connection with your audience is really strong. That engagement, right? More, right. And it's not even engagement in numbers and stuff, but like you can tell when, when you watch somebody's stories, like if, if somebody looks like they're just, you know, posting stuff for the fun of it, like, like, and not trying to actually like reach out to people and like have those question and answer things all the time, like create an, an audience, create a community, and that's what really and the discussion, right? Exactly. Like, you like, know, you want people messaging, for example, Brooke, like, Oh, what's this about? Because yeah. you know, someone like her is going to go to bat for, for you and the company. Right. So, I mean, and if you're really not willing to do that because you don't like the company or service that you're trying to become an ambassador for, why are you even doing it in the first place? Right. Exactly. You know what I mean? So, um, you touched a bit up on, uh, on your Kickstarter, which, mm-hmm. um, you passed your goal, right? It was 10,000 us you were going for and you passed yep. it in what was it? 72 hours, 48 hours. Yeah. Just over 48 hours. And it was like 51 hours or something. That's absolutely insane. And congrats, dude. Thanks. Um, I know that, you know, stuff like this is very secretive and I wouldn't give it all away, but maybe if you could skim the surface and maybe give one or two pointers for people who are maybe looking 
maybe they're at the point where they have an idea and they're looking to get crowdfunding or Kickstarter mm-hmm. money, yeah. how to run a successful Kickstarter. All right. So, uh, one of the big, like one of the big misconceptions is that Kickstarter is a platform that markets products for you. And that's <laughs> flat out not true. Like, like if you throw a product on Kickstarter thinking that you're going to throw it on Kickstarter, someone's going to see it on the homepage and they're going to actually buy it. Like the odds of that are really low. Mm-hmm. Like, like giving you some insight into like the, like the, uh, data that we get from Kickstarter, like the vast majority, something like 80% of our sales come from referrals from either Instagram or Facebook, where all of our ambassadors and then our account personally is posting stuff saying like, Hey, link in bio, Hey, whatever. And so you need to make sure that you have an audience built so that you can do what you're doing. And then the other thing that I'd say is make sure that you have a product that you truly believe in. And of course that's true for any product launch, not just Kickstarter, but it has to be something that you believe in enough to like explain it really well in your Kickstarter page, get people to work on that video with you, get people to work on every little bit with you because you need all the help that you can get. And if you don't believe in it and the people around you don't believe in it, it's not going to work. Like something like 65 or 70% of Kickstarters fail. And like, that's because people, you know, put this together and say, Hey, like, you know, I have this cool little gadget, like it'll definitely do well if I throw it up on Kickstarter with a couple photos and a two paragraph description. That's not true. Like we, right. we hit our goal in, you know, 50 hours, but I put way more than 50 hours into it in the past week before we launched, just taking photos, making backpacks, doing everything to make sure that we were ready to launch. So yeah, like a product demo, I, I, I went through the Kickstarter. I told you the, the page I'd been yeah. through the website before, but obviously the website directs you to the Kickstarter. Um, but even just like product, you demoing the product in a, in a little video and it was just very well thought out. Um, and it just goes to show you again that <clears throat> like what's near, near zero labs, Instagram following is 762 for a brand new company, which is impressive. But I mean, like you're making ten thousand dollars on a kickstarter with that it just goes to show you how you need that family and you need those those people on your team and those ambassadors to help really um influence others into or not even influence but, but showcase that this even exists you know yeah. what i mean so i guess maybe a piece of advice advice from this whole discussion so far was just like you need to have people going to bat for you yeah. and you need to have a good product that that stands up to whatever you're claiming yeah and I think that one thing people probably like picked it up in the background, but we haven't touched on it explicitly is like, I think that I had a huge, like kind of benefit from this because I'm in the photography community exactly. and like going and building a product for the community that you're a part of is going to be way easier than anything else. And like, it's not like you need a certain number of followers. Like I barely have 5,000 followers or something, which like, to some people may be crazy, but it's not like I am a sponsored person or whatever. Like right. I just want to shoot on the weekends. Like, but I have, you know, built that community that I was talking about. And I've got a lot of people that I talk to all the time and having that and then building a product for that community makes it way right. easier to launch. And it's so important to chat to people just even in like DMS and stuff. Cause like, yeah. I have so many people who I've never met face to face who yeah. I'm just like good friends with, you know what yeah. I mean? Right. And it's, I know that there's this whole thing about trying to stay off your phone and, and all that thing, but I think it's important to designate time to both staying off your phone and both and, you know, designating time to, okay, I need to, or you don't even need to designate time, but just have it in your mind. Like I, I'm going to network. I'm going to talk to people gen- because I'm genuinely interested in their photography or what they're doing. It's just like, you need to be chat. You need to be chatting to people. Yeah, exactly. Um, That's how you make your connections. Just because when it comes time to, you know, drop a line like near zero or something, you have all these people who not only like you, but who at this point would believe in what you're about to do or are doing. Yeah. And even like if your goal is to get like sponsored by companies or something like if Brooke came to me and was like, I have this person who's perfect for you, Mm -hmm. it's going to carry so much more weight than if that person had DM'd me. Right. if, if they had talked to Brooke and was like, Hey, what's this about? Like, and that's the other, so like talk to people that, and don't just talk to them because you like the products that they're sponsored by, but talk to them because you like their photography and you like their personality. And then if there's a similarity there, 
than like being right. like, Hey, like, I don't think it would be out of line if somebody was like super tight with Brooke and also had the same connection to be like, Hey Brooke, like, is there any chance that like, that you'd reach out to somebody else for me? Don't go do this to Brooke. Don't go bombard her with like, <laughs> but like, I don't think it would be out of line for somebody to do that. Like, right. I don't know if you have any different thoughts, but like, that's, that no, I think I, I agree with you when somebody comes to me, like I, I, I can use the podcast as an example. Yeah. Like I've had guests who have been on the show who have then messaged me afterward and, and, and said, Oh man, I was just thinking like my friend or this person would be so good to have on, like they're doing this, this, and this. And I'm just like, I add them to the list. Cause you know, um, I already, truly respect that person. And I think they're, they're very genuine and they're good at what they do. So, you know, that's going to hold way more, more merit. Yeah. Um, especially then if even that same person had just DM'd you and been like, Hey, like, can I be on your podcast? Like, like that's, yeah, like, and that's happened to be quite honest. And it's, it's, or it's been something like, Oh, I heard, um, I can't use Brooke anymore. Cause she's been mentioned on the show so yeah, many times. Right. Um, but, uh, like I heard so-and-so's podcast and uh, you know, this just happened to me or I'm doing this right now. Like I think I could, could add a lot of value. I would definitely, you know, give that a second book for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, I think it's just networking. You, you gotta, I, I would agree with you that that holds would hold weight would hold yeah. merit for sure. Yeah. Um, so since this is the photographer mindset, um, and we talk a lot about mental fortitude and, you know, powering through adversity and how to stay positive and um, practicing infinite gratitude. I want to know maybe one or two um, either hiccups or frustrating things that have happened or failures maybe you've had with the startup, um, maybe what you learned from it, if you have any, and, you know, how you just kind of powered through it. Yeah. So I like, of course, the big one is that we were planning on launching in the middle of a global pandemic. <laughs> yeah. No and shit, like, eh? Right. Like, talk about a speed bump. You mean like a brick wall? Um, yeah. <laughs> so, like, that was the big one where I, the original plan, like I said earlier, was to launch in, like, pretty much May or June. And right. all this stuff came down in March, right when I was about to pull the trigger on reaching out to a bunch of ambassadors. And for me, like once I started reaching out to ambassadors, that's when stuff couldn't stop. Like once I start, like if I reach out to somebody like Ryan in March and then be like, Hey, we're delaying the project until September, that that's not going to work. It's well, got to be, you'd lose a lot of credibility. Like you had already pushed the toboggan over the, over the hill. Like you're already going down. Right. You can't, you can't stop it. And so like I hadn't done that yet, but then this global pandemic hit and I got emails from suppliers who were like, Hey, you know, we know that you were thinking about buying like some bulk products because we have to do that, you know, now that we have a Kickstarter and stuff. And they're like, we know you're thinking about doing this instead of a six week lead time, we have a 12 week lead time or a 15 week lead time. And so like that and taking a step back and saying like, okay, how do I make sure that I'm doing justice to everybody who backs our Kickstarter? Because if I say I'm going to deliver and whenever I'm set, I'm going to deliver right now, we're saying, um, April, even though I hope it to be much sooner than that. But if I say it's going to happen by then, it's going to happen by then. Even if I don't have, to, even if I don't get sleep for a month and I'm sewing for a month straight, right? But like, if there's something else, like if our like cool magnetic buckles or whatever, don't get delivered from China in time, I can't fix that. That's not something I can fix without sleeping. <laughs> and so that was the big one where it's like, like that was our big hiccup, but it didn't stop the ball. It gave me time. Like I was ready to launch right then basically, but it gave me another four months to keep prototyping and the inside cubes changed and became a lot better. The, like the, lap so awesome. the laptop pocket changed and became a lot better. And that sort of stuff, like, like that was, that was a big one. Um, and I'm trying to think of if there's, if there's well, that's really cool one. using that newfound time to, um, improve the prototype even further. You know, a lot of people might've just thrown their hands up and said, fuck it. This is ridiculous. It's, it's over, um, right. you know, kind of maybe taking a step back and, and, a, and a deep breath and realizing what can I do with this time that I have now? Yeah. Um, which is the whole idea is, is not letting a negative thought or, or circumstance complete itself. 
Um, I remember listening to, I, I used to, or I still do. I listen to Navy SEAL podcasts all the time. Cause I'm so into like, again, going back to like being really into it. Like I'm really into, and I always have been like mindsets and how people think and stuff like that. I'm actually, yeah. I have a marketing degree myself, which we didn't talk about before the show, which is kind of right. cool. Cause you know, in marketing that you, you're one of your first courses in first year is psychology, right? How people yeah. think. Mm-hmm. And I'm just so into it. But one of the things that, uh, I remember it's, it stuck with me is, is, a Navy SEAL guy said, he says, I never let a negative thought complete itself. Like once it starts, I'm consciously learned to just cut it off yeah. and change it into something else. Right. And think about, you know, what's, you know, what's good that's happening or, you know, what's great, what I'm grateful for in this right here, right now. Um, so like that could be in your case, I guess, like I have more time to make this bag even better. Right. Um, and I think it's cool too. Like you said, um, you have all these people that you, you know, you have to deliver to. Um, I think being transparent is super important. It, yeah. it, not even in a business, just like with anything. There's so many people I think who overpromise and underdeliver, mm-hmm. which is just because like people struggle with saying like I can't or like no, it's just it's not going to happen. I think it's almost like an ego thing or or like a pride thing. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's just so easy, much easier to say, "Listen, this happened. I'm doing my best." Yeah. Right. Totally. Yeah. So like, um, yeah, I, I think just like doing your best and, and, and if it's going to take, if you honestly think, you know, something's going to take like seven days, maybe you're delivering photos to a client, tell them it's going to take 10 because then when you deliver it on seven, they'll be like, Oh, sick. It'd be really cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I don't know if you feel the same way in that regard. Yeah, totally. Like, you have to be willing to give your all, especially when other people are like depending on you and stuff. And like, that's something that, you know, I've had a couple backpacks that I've made. One guy made it was going to use it on the Colorado trail. Um, and he did end up using it on the Colorado trail and he was a buddy of mine and he isn't, you know, a, one of our ambassadors quote unquote, but he used the bag and he's using like an early prototype bag, but his, um, his custom print got delivered like something like three days before he's supposed to leave for the Colorado trail. Right. And these bags still take me a little while to make right now because everything's not refined. I'm making them in a house. Like, you know, it's not perfect. You haven't streamlined yet. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Right. And so with his bag, like I, you know, made it as quickly as I could and I delivered it, you know, and I told him, I was like, it may be ready the day you leave. And I, and I apologize that like already, but I delivered it, you know, the morning before. And so we have the full day to pack it and everything, but yeah, like give it your all try and like beat those expectations. But like, there's nothing wrong with setting expectations low. If like, if you think there's a possibility that you may need that extra time. Yeah. I mean, it's better for people to be disappointed. It's better for people to be disappointed minimally in the moment than like super pissed off. Yeah. Um, you know, when it comes to crunch time, that's the worst. For Sure. (laughs) It's the classic, uh, I feel like I've used this analogy so many times. It's the classic, like when you're waiting for your table at a restaurant and the wait's 20 minutes and they tell you it's going to be 30 and your buzzer goes off in 15 and then you're already like stoked going into your meal. Yep, exactly. Like It just puts people in a positive framework. If you, the food, if the you, food tastes better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, like maybe the bag looks better. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Or, or whatever it is you're selling. If it's right. like you said earlier, um, you touched on a really good point about, um, you know, the bet near zero is so much easier for you because you're involved in that community. Like maybe it's, maybe you're, um, a cyclist or you're a, you know, you create, you're a gym rat. So you make mm-hmm. gym apparel. Yeah. Um, just like, I like, I keep thinking about like climbing and stuff. Like there's a ton of people super involved in the climbing community and like just looking from like, I don't climb that often, but like, there's a lot of stuff you could do in the climbing community that would be really cool. And if you right. haven't already, it makes it so much easier for you than everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, so I, I said this before the show and I, I apologize to you cause like we yeah. haven't talked about any of your photography because, um, for everybody listening, Morgan's super sick. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to put, I don't know. Usually I put like the Instagram handles and the titles of the episodes, um, maybe I'll put both or we can talk about it after, but yeah. either way, both will either be in the description or whatever. Um, 
But let's talk like maybe just like before we wrap up a little bit about photography, because you said you shoot on weekends and you just have like some of these epic friggin landscapes um, that you've clearly uh, planned out and you've hiked to because they're not, you know, they're not the typical um, influencer iPhone like (laughs) destination. Right. Um, I want to just like maybe drop a super vague. point of discussion about you know what makes an epic landscape from the journey to the to shooting it just in your opinion like how do you attack um landscapes like that when you see them and and in the creative process all right yeah so there's the big one for me is like trying to figure out like the best way to show a place and like it's it's horrible to like it's not horrible to say but like like the more times you visit a place, you'll get a good photo from there eventually. And like there's, and unfortunately, like I've been to, you know, some incredible places like Glacier National Park. And, you know, I, I shoot on the weekends during the school year, but during the summers, I've usually saved up enough money from the school year to go out and, you know, go for a month long trip or something. Um, and so like the places that you can visit, like my best photos are not from the places that are, you know, that I spent all this money to go to, like, I'm lucky to have, um, Rocky mountain national park in my backyard, which I understand incredible place, but like a lot of people glacier national park or, you know, North cascades are going to be way higher on their list than Rocky. Um, but there's, you know, (laughs) one of my favorite lakes in Rocky mountain national park is a lake called sky pond, which has gotten crazy busy in the last like couple of years, but finding like, envisioning i think in the first place of like the best way to show off a place is going to be your Mm. best benefit and then going and figuring out exactly how you're going to make it happen if you need crazy clouds in order to get there like make sure you're there when you get crazy clouds and like like goes back to planning we're full circle yes exactly yeah and so the reason i bring up sky pond is like everybody you know, like a lot of the people that follow me have seen my photo of sky pond, which is like this crazy, like flaming red sunrise with like these crazy peaks in the middle of winter. And what people don't realize is like that one photo that I have from sky pond that's on my website, um, is also took about 12 visits to that lake to get there. Oh shit, huh? Yeah. It's like, and like 12 visits to get the photo you wanted. Yeah. Like to get the photo I wanted. And a lot of times, and it came down to a lot of things. Like there was that, that that's about a nine mile hike round trip. And I love doing it in the middle of winter because no one's ever there. But if you're going to do it for sunrise, you have to leave the trailhead at two, two or three in the morning. And then on the way there, you have to cross some uh, frozen lakes and the wind on those lakes can be 60 or 70 miles an hour in the middle of winter. And I've been turned around at some of those lakes three, three to six times I've lost count by now in the middle of winter and been like, all right, well, I guess I'm not making it where I want to go this morning. And I think that like a lot of people have like somewhere relatively close to home that could be a great photo if the conditions were right. And like, it may be brutal getting there. And like, I think a lot of people would be like, like, Oh, you made 12 visits to sky pond for one photo. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm like, well, well, yeah, because like the end result was incredible, but it was brutal on the way there. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that final morning that we got up there and I was like, okay, I know what the clouds are going to be like. I have a feeling it's going to be awesome. I'm leaving super early from the trailhead and like, I'm going to go make it happen. It's a Sunday morning right before finals week. But like, this is important to me to finally get this <laughs> shot. It's only taken three winters to get there. And it, and it happened. And so like, I think that figuring out like that place close to home, cause like we don't like people that aren't full-time photographers don't always have the ability to go and like stay at the right. same national park for a month straight. So find somewhere close to home, whether that's like a local national forest or like, you know, whatever, like a state park or provincial park or whatever it is. Um, and go and like do it that way. Like figure out exactly like envision painted in your mind, exactly what shot you want to get there. Envision your success, envision what you want. Exactly. And it'll happen eventually. It may take 12 visits and like torturous. Yeah, no, no kidding. One of those visits I got, 
like second degree frostbite and had blisters around my ankles. And like that shot was worth that. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Um, and it's funny you say that. Cause like there was a guy on the show named Gia. Um, he goes by at Viking Romer on Instagram. And he was telling me like he had been to the same place in Iceland three times, just like, cause he wanted a particular shot. Yeah. So hearing you say that's not crazy. No, uh, it, it might be crazy to just like someone who's not into it, but I feel you on that. Like, but if it, if it's what like, and that's the other thing is like, a lot of people are like, how do I get really good at landscape photography? And like, you've got to love lands. You've got to love hiking and like getting and going places to be like, to get better at landscape photography. Like I know a lot of people that, um, I used to run the, uh, I used to help run the photography club at Colorado state university. And we'd have people that, you know, loved lands, like wanted to love landscape photography and would always ask me for tips. And my tips were never like camera gear or editing. It was like, how often do you hike right now? And they're like, eh, yeah, once every couple of months, you know, whenever I have the time, I'm like, that's not how you get good at landscape photography. Like you've got to be stoked to be out there. And yeah. even if you're, even if you get to the trailhead and your camera's out of battery that you'd still go. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well said, man, that's super true that you would still do it. Even if you didn't have a camera, you didn't have social media to post about it. Exactly. On. I dropped my camera in the ocean a couple years back on accident, not on purpose. Um, (laughs) Maybe you are a bit insane. (laughs) Yeah. But I was out of a camera for like two months straight. And in those two months, I was still hiking every single weekend without a camera. And people were like, people were like, dude, you're not getting any photos. I'm like, yeah, but I still love sunrise in the mountains. Like go, go have fun with it anyways. <laughs> yeah. Well said. I still like it anyways. That's perfectly said. I think I want to wrap up on that. That's awesome. That's yeah. sound advice. It's just like really love what you're doing. For sure. um, so where can people, um, if people want to buy a bag and check it out, where would you tell them to head first? Yeah. So we, um, so if you go to at near zero labs, on instagram the link is in our bio until october 1st october 1st is the date that our kickstarter ends Um, we've got a 50 dollars discount on most of our bag packages right now Um, so if you pick it up now you're going to save 50 bucks over what our end retail price is if you're listening to this after october 1st um, then you can head to nearzerolabs.com and we'll have either a pre-order or an order page up depending on where we are in uh, getting orders fulfilled super cool man make sure you guys check that out i'll make sure i put it in the description or in the title or both or whatever morgan man this has been a lot of fun dude thanks for coming on it's been awesome man thank you so much thanks everyone for listening to another episode of the photographer mindset podcast if you guys have any recommendations for guests you think you would love to hear on the show or just like topics don't hesitate to write me i hope you enjoyed this episode and for sure check out near zero labs like the bags are super cool they're super lightweight and they're being used by awesome photographers who genuinely enjoy them so until next time go get shooting go get editing and stay focused see you then